Guys, the NBA is back, and if you want to get the most in-depth coverage from across the league, from across the NBA, from across the MLB, from across the NHL, and you want access to the incredible in-depth coverage that The Athletic provides, you can sign up now at theathletic.com slash anything is potable, and you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you're not going to want to miss any of the breaking stories from your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable for 40% off. You can read Jay King for 40% off. That's a steal in itself. So go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. Sports are back, folks. Time to get excited. Uh, You are now tuned in to anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Welcome to Anything is Potable. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard. Joined, as always, by Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. You may know him as The Kid or The God, Jay King. And we are here after the Celtics dropped a 112-106 game to the Miami Heat. The Jimmy Butler did not play, yet the Heat still managed to beat the Celtics, who just did not look good on either end of the court. Particularly, their defense uh, struggled, and uh, they sent... Defense was dookie. Who's interrupting who now, dog? But the defense was not great. Bam Adebayo had 18 free throws himself. The Heat had 39 free throws, and they just were unable to stop Bam and Kelly Olynyk, the Celtics, like, they thrive on going small. And it feels like the Heat kind of out-smallballed them just by playing, like, kind of a more athletic, more egalitarian style of basketball. And I think may- maybe having Jimmy Butler didn't uh, hurt. No, that's a way too much of a hot take. Let's just focus in on how bad the Celtics defense was uh, against the Heat. Yeah, it was really bad. And it was bad on the three-point shooters. It was bad on the interior. It was bad basically in every way. You do not want to be bad in the year 2020 (laughs) when the Celtics went small. They went super small. They used the best five lineup. It got tortured. It did not work whatsoever. Adebayo just pulverized them inside. And I thought that group actually got some good looks. Missed all of them. Missed a bunch of open threes against Miami. Layups too. They missed yeah. the layups too. Miami's defense, zone defense was a factor. I thought it took the Celtics out of some of what they wanted to do, but the defense was by far the the bigger issue. They they let Duncan Robinson get a bunch of wide open threes. Dragic beat him to the cup a few times. Adebayo just ruined them inside. It was not a good night from the Celtics defense. No, they play the Celtics like pride themselves and they play a high flying style defense where they can switch on everything. And it just hurt because they had no one who could really stop Bam Adebayo or Kelly Olinick. I mean, Kelly Olinick had a phenomenal game 15 points, six boards, eight assists, some positional defense to draw a fifth foul on Jason Tatum. But the Celtics just their high flying off like defense just really didn't work when they match up with the bigs and. I mean, Marcus Smart fouling out tonight with three minutes and 46 seconds left in the third quarter was not great, but that felt like a direct product of the Celtics trying to play small. He switched a bunch. There was two consecutive possessions where Kelly Olenek drew fouls on him in post-up. He also got a foul drawn on him when they used that best five lineup. The Celtics just felt like their their high-flying kind of defense, they're not on a string tonight, and then it just led them to being out of position 
and fouling when the guys, uh, when the Heat players caught the ball in the paint. Yeah, I thought the the defensive communication wasn't good. Boston didn't seem to know exactly what they were supposed to do against some of the Miami sets. Like there were a few times where Kelly Olenek was running screens and then pops the arc and nobody was on him. And then Tice, Tice looked around like throwing his hands up and and you could tell that, that something had gone wrong. I don't know whose fault it was, whether it was Tice, one of the guards' faults, but the switching they were supposed to do or the non-switching they were supposed to do, they didn't have both guys on the same page. Miami, they're tough to guard because they do have a lot of good cutters. They have Duncan Robinson who flies off screens and Tyler Hero who can shoot. And they have they have dudes who can beat you off ball. And then Adebayo who's their center now. He 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 handles the ball a lot. So they're they're weird to guard. Uh, but Boston wasn't sharp at all. Do you think they were better because they didn't have Jimmy Butler? This is a crazy theory. Obviously, that, Jimmy Butler is a great is, player. No. But when they play, Jimmy no. Butler plays much more one-on-one offense. It felt like the Heat. This felt like the much more action of like Duncan Robinson coming across screens and like the much more movement in their offense than we're used to. It's just a crazy theory I'm going with right now. You know, classic human theory. But as bad as the Celtics were on defense, they were not great on offense, especially in the first half. A lot of sloppy play. The half-court offense just wasn't really there. And you mentioned before the zone. It felt like any time the Celtics got some momentum going, Miami would go to the zone and it would throw the Celtics off for a couple of possessions. They shouldn't have been too surprised by the zone. I was actually went back and uh, I read your article from when the Celtics played the Heat in January. And it was 20 that, takeaways. That was at least 12 years ago. What a hard-o move. 20 takeaways from this game. But one of them was how they reacted to the zone and they were able to adjust to the zone in the second half. And it just felt like they couldn't do it uh, against the Heat. It was There was not a lot of assists tonight, not a lot of ball movement, only 15 assists on 37 makes. And it felt like they needed to attack guys like Kelly Olynyk more, guys like Duncan Robinson more, but it just wasn't falling for them or the ball wasn't moving. I mean, Jalen Brown tonight, went nine for 23. And I mostly remember his good plays where he was aggressive, but he also had no, no assists. And it feels like there's a lot of just uh, isolation ball or just trying to beat your own guy off the dribble. And the Celtics didn't really succeed in moving the basketball. Yeah. And then, I mean, Gordon Hayward goes 0 for 5 from 3. Jalen Brown goes 0 for 5 from 3. You got Marcus Smart fouling out with 3 minutes, 46 seconds. Left Not great. Third quarter, which was preposterous. That really was preposterous. I don't think I've ever seen anyone foul out of a game earlier than that. At least not a, a legitimate player. Like, sometimes you'll leave a backup big man in there. I mean, Grant Williams did it in six minutes earlier this year. But that, not, that a, is not a, a guy who should be a starter. Smart only played 16 minutes, missed all of his shots. And he had some moments, I guess, in the pick, like, pick and roll, like his patience. But... Him fouling out, that makes Semi Ojale play 19 minutes. Brad yeah. Wanamaker play 21 minutes. We even got some Romeo, some desperation Romeo minutes. There was, uh, there was some, I think there was a lineup that had Wanamaker, Romeo, and Shemi in there. And Shemi did not have a good shooting night. One for five on, I think, all, all wide open threes. So when they're shorthanded, they need him to be at least knock a couple down. Like that, 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 that puts him in a tough spot. When Hayward, Brown, and Shemi randomly go combine one for 15, that, that's tough to overcome. And then Tatum, this is two games now uh, out of the three where he's shot five or fewer threes. That number has to go way up for the Celtics. He should be shooting double that, I think. And I don't know whether that's got to come from 
you know, off the dribble ISO step backs, which he's fully capable of and are pretty good shots for him or whether he has to be more willing to shoot it uh, off ball. And there were a couple of times I felt like he passed open. There was one play where they passed it around the perimeter a couple of times. He got it either in the corner or on the wing and ended up traveling after pump faking out of a wide open three. So he's he's got to shoot more threes for them. Yeah, he needs to be more aggressive. And it feels like he was actually pretty good tonight at attacking the rim. He had some nice layups, um, but it doesn't feel like he was ready to attack guys like Olenek or Duncan Robinson or like Hero off the dribble. The, like the Heat were playing a lot of like switching and Jalen seemed to have more of that burst and be able to get into the paint. I thought Hayward did a good job of getting into the paint. That's kind of what he does. He had 15 points um, and seven boards. I thought they were both decent and it was um, like a decent effort for the Celtics given that Marcus Smart fouled out, but you got to win this game with Jimmy Butler on the bench. And um, it just felt like other than the opening of the third quarter, the Heat just played with a little bit more energy and a little bit more pep. Um, it hurts when Marcus Smart's like typically your guy for that, but they just Celtics just didn't and have Smart it. Smart was bad. The 16 minutes bad. He was out there, he was not good. He missed a point blank layup, a two point blank layup. So he had a putback attempt that he missed too. I thought it was he just didn't have it tonight. He he fouled out. He got beat by Bam at a bio. Obviously, Bam Bam is a big man, but Marcus he Smart, got posted up twice and fouls drawn him. But on Kelly Olynyk twice, like how bad one, how good does that have to feel if you're Kelly Olynyk having probably practiced against smart for five years, but that's just not what you need. Like Marcus smart needs to win that matchup. If you're going to say Marcus smart's a center and like rely on him to cover guys like Kelly Olynyk and bam, like you gotta win, like bam, I can understand like losing that matchup too, but you can't, you can't lose to Kelly Olynyk just in a physicality battle. And I think bam is a really tough center to, to pull that best five lineup off on because all the advantages you think you'd get out of that lineup, like being quicker, being sharper out, like he's, he can handle that. And then he's stronger than you and bigger than you on the other side. So it was, it was the wrong situation to use the best five lineup. Like the best five lineup is like, in my ideas, you want to space the floor and get like a plotting big man and get people in switches. But it felt like since, the Heat don't have that many big guys. Brad was more willing to go small tonight, but they just got out small ball because of people like Bam, who's the ultimate small ball five because of just how physical he is and how athletic he is. And like, he's not a center. He's not a plotting big man. Like the, the switchability of a five, like the best five lineup where the spacing just doesn't exist when Bam's on the court. So I don't know why Brad thought tonight was the best time to like kind of use it. I'm, he, I'm glad he, he tried it. With it. And Miami was in his own defense during that time. So it was like, the the advantages you'd normally get out of that lineup, they didn't necessarily have. And then they did during that span miss a few wide open threes. Like they they got good looks. They they weren't hitting them. And then Adebayo was just thrashing them. He he turned up the the intense like during that span, he looked around, he's like, I got five tiny men out here trying to guard <laughs> me. And I'm I'm gonna put them through the bucket. And he did. He he just he really, really was a load during that time and and gave them fits when they went to that lineup. Um, he shot 18 free throws tonight. This Heat shot 39 total. Fouls have been up. This has just been a thing that we've seen in all of the games in the bubble. The foul rate has been drastically increased from what it was in the regular season. I think it's been part of every kind of game in the bubble I've watched. But tonight, I don't think you can blame the uh, 
the Celtics losing on that because like Bam was caught the ball in the paint and had a bunch of smaller defenders on him. He earned those fouls, but fouls have been up. Um, and so I, we gave the Celtics some compliments in their first game for like drawing 29 uh, free throws, but it just seems like it's in the bubble, more f- free throws in general. And the Celtics were on the losing end of that tonight. They only shot 27, made 22 of them though. Yeah. And they've never been a big free throw shooting team, obviously, but they need to, you need, you can't give up 43, three point attempts and then 39 free throws. And I don't even know how many points in the paint. 50, uh, only 28 points in the paint. I, I think I take the points <laughs> in the paint back. It felt they like protected the rim. It well, because they like fouled on every single other one. Because Adebayo was just walking to the free throw line for three quarters of the game. So, and then Dragic, Dragic beat them up in the paint a little bit. Um, they, they gave up way too much of what Miami wanted to get. I, I, I've got to stop the podcast for a second to praise Ennis Cantor. I was about to ask you about Ennis. Ennis I got his own I microphone. Got Ennis Cantor. I thought some of their best moments came with Ennis Cantor on the floor. I thought even though he got victimized a few times by Goran Dragic, he was typically playing decent defense and forced Dragic to take mid-range jumpers. Now, it was Dragic yeah, more comfortable because he knew Cantor had no chance of touching his shot? Maybe. But I, Cantor came in, had like three putback buckets almost instantly he was he's been pretty good they've been really really good with him on the court through the first three seeding games we haven't really seen robert williams we saw him for like three seconds when they were trying to defend an inbounds pass at the end of this one robert williams totally out of the rotation grant williams sort of a minor minor part of the rotation and his canter is brad's guy right now he is absolutely the backup center and i thought he had a decent Sorry, I, I cut Go you off. Go for it. Go for That's it. On Go me. for That's it. On me. It was it, he was playing in a he played in a weird kind of role against Portland down the stretch where he was kind of doubling Dame Lillard. That's out of Dennis's comfort zone. Then tonight they had him guarding Iguodala. They had him guarding Derek Jones Jr. for a little while because they didn't want him guarding Kelly Olynyk at the three point arc. So they're they're experimenting with using him in funky ways defensively to keep his rebounding and offense on the court. And it's kind of working so far. It's working so far in that his offensive rebounding is key. He had a lot of big moments, especially I remember one in the first half where he just absolutely physically dominated Kelly Olenek. And it feels like they could have used that to their advantage more. Like that is the situation which Canner would probably most effective. I'm shocked to be calling for maybe more Canner post-ups right now. But if the Heat are going to play so small, like maybe use Cantor's size like a little bit more. He had like some effective moments there. The thing is like, he just can't do anything against Dragic. Like Dragic, a mid-range pull-up is so easy for him. And so I don't know what to do about when they have, you know, the opposing team has a decent ball handling guard uh, and Cantor's on the floor. The problem is they're like, Grant didn't play really much. I don't think Robert Williams is necessarily the solution just because he doesn't give you the same on offense. So I don't know what you do uh if you're brad stevens who's like the backup center option yeah it's uh right now it, it seems to be Cantor's world in that backup center for better or worse it's Cantor's world the Celtic, i think they were plus 12 in his 30 something minutes coming into tonight and he was one of the few guys with a positive plus minus he was a plus four tonight in his 15 minutes so 
they've been playing well with him on the court. And I don't know if that could hold up, but he he's playing pretty well right now. Their defense is like barely, barely holding on when he's on the court. And he definitely puts stress on other guys to be really sharp behind him and make really good rotations. And they haven't always been up to the the task on, on that front. But his minutes have typically gone pretty well during the seeding game. Now, we haven't talked about Kemba Walker tonight, who had three more minutes played. He finished with 27. He was the only one really making threes, four of seven from deep, finished with 15 points. He looks good. Uh, you just kind of wish they were able to use him more, but it seems like they will probably get to do that. They're definitely building up. Brad Stevens already announced he's going to miss the game against the Nets, but I like Kemba was Kemba. They, I wish they had, you know, eight more minutes of him. Yeah, that'd be nice. And especially when Marcus Smart fouls out and Jason Tatum picks up his fifth foul with a minute left in the third quarter. That's when you need Kemba to just carry the offense. And and they had to milk his minutes for the end because they weren't going to have Smart at the end. They needed ball handling somewhere. So the minutes restriction is definitely tough. It, it's a lot tougher when they're dealing with as much foul trouble as they did tonight. That 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 puts them in a bad place. Their bench is not deep, and it's not good. It's still not good. They still don't have many legitimate bench players. All the the like sort of X factors that we thought could maybe step up in Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and Romeo Langford have been non-factors pretty much during the seeding games. So that's the bench is still an issue. It should be less of an issue once Kemba gets off his minutes restriction and once the NBA stops blowing whistles every three seconds. These refs are insufferable right now. It's been a bit of a problem. Like every single game has gone on a little bit longer. I don't know if they're just like hanging out. It was a fun moment when Marcus Smart got uh, tossed out of the game after six fouls. Jalen starts yelling to the refs, you know, don't don't pick on him just because he uh, accused you of being corrupt in the first game against the Bucs and got $15,000 fine. Maybe the refs are like hanging out, like playing pickleball, um, colluding about uh, trying to call fouls on Marcus Smart. You know they're doing the same about Daniel Tice. At this point, it's become ridiculous. Uh, a travel call on him, some suspect foul calls. I don't know what to say at this point. Uh, I thought Daniel Tice was pretty good. Um, actually, only two fouls on him tonight, but it just felt like the the narrative's already going. The narrative, the wheels are already in motion with the war on Tice. And uh, yep. Brad actually won a challenge tonight. Uh, that was special. Special was, moment for Brad. Congratulations to him. He is the worst challenger of all time. But this one, it was it. clear. It was clear. That ball was not off Daniel Tice. He actually probably got fouled on the play, too. But you so. see you see the instincts of the ref. It was clearly not off Daniel Tice. He, made, he got fouled and made a hustle play. And something in the ref's uh, psychology immediately ruled against him. And it's, it's suspect. And it's uh, subconscious. And I don't know what to do about it. Before we go, I just want to point out it, it it was a sad day for the Celtics beat today. Really sad day with the news that uh, Aisha Rob Blakely and Abby Chin both got laid off by NBC Sports Boston and really a, a shocking, shocking amount of layoffs and shocking quality of the people and workers that they laid off. Uh, I've been fans of those two for a long time. They both are fantastic people to be around in addition to being real pros that have been diligent and good workers on the Celtics beat for a long time. They will both be 
really, really missed. And uh, I think I speak on behalf of everyone that like those two guys have been just lights, lights for the Celtics beat and for the Celtics coverage and for the broadcasts. So they'll, they'll be missed a lot. Yeah, no, both there's shocking news, um, but lots of cuts going on at NBC Sports Boston, but it's going to be very weird um, not to have Abby doing sidelines. She's one of the best sideline people in the game. And both Abby and Gerard were nice to me on the Celtics beat when, you know, like there's no reason to be nice to me. I'm just a, uh, a buffoon uh, some would describe me as. And so um, I feel for them. It's going to just be worse coverage without them being on there. And so, that's not great. Um, and hopefully I would imagine they would both, uh, be employed sometime soon because they're both quite good at their jobs. Yeah. And I mean, in our jobs, you're around the other writers and the other reporters, as much as you are your own family, you're traveling to hotels, you're going out to eat, you're doing all that stuff. And it's important to have people who bring energy and Sherrod and particularly Abby, where they were, they were both always that Abby was, I'm not sure there was anyone more beloved in in that circle than, than she was by players, by coaches, by people who worked with her. So it, th- today was a really sad day. And she is one of the most like people responsible for weird Celtics Twitter being like popular because she was online and fully embraced memes and stuff like that. And I got to shout out um, Sherrod's gift game. Sherrod's got the po- deep pocket full of gifts and he's always tweeting out the good ones. Um, but they'll definitely be missed on the Celtics beat because um, they both did a great job. Uh, anything else you got to empty out of the notes before you, uh, before you go. That's all I got. Just a sad, sad day. All right. And we'll finish on a better note and make fun of Grant Williams for absolutely getting put on skates by Tyler hero. He did get put on skates. <laughs> it was kind of a tough stint for Grant Williams. There got put on skates through an awful turnover to Gordon Hayward didn't really do too much positive. It was not good grant today. We're also going to give credit to Gordon Hayward for picking up his first tech since the 15, 16 season. He was quite upset. Uh, He said some swear words, a lot of fire from Gordon. I like to see it. It was just, uh, it's the Gordon, you know, he was kind of an FU mode and um, you know, I like seeing the emotion from Gordon because you're just not used to it. Yeah, that was, that was just, I think it was his first tech in more than two years with the Celtics. Obviously, he didn't play uh, one of the seasons, but he's not a big tech guy. So when he gets a tech, and he earned that tech. He's pissed. He, he's pissed. He, he, was, he was going deep into his vocabulary for that one. So that was fun. Tatum definitely got a technical foul for speaking to himself, and the ref was <laughs> happy to be in the vicinity. That was one of those fans aren't here, refs can hear more than they normally can type of deals, I think. Like there's there's no way Tatum gets that tech if there's a a crowd making noise and the ref doesn't hear him playing his day. I mean it's it's gonna happen I guess if we can hear a lot more things that the the broadcast is gonna pick more things up. That, that's pretty much I, I have for my notes other than that one stretch where Brad Wanmaker what a decent game knocked down two threes he had one of the worst offensive possession turnovers and then. Uh, defenses uh it was right after smart fouled out and it basically just sunk the celtics that's the only other thing i have in my notes i tried to end on a good note and i just added it like piling on brad wanmaker for no reason so i i apologize brad i think i think you did a good job brad wanmaker also 
this is we're mid junk drawer, my man. Uh, my, dad, my dad was pissed because I uh, I shitted on your junk drawer last podcast. I guess I, I didn't realize that I shitted on it as bad as I did. But you you brought up something I do remember. I don't remember <laughs> what it was. I think it was a Michael Thompson tweet. And I was wondering why you brought up a Michael Thompson tweet. I thought it was a valid criticism. My dad told me that I was mean to you, so I'm here to apologize to you on behalf of my father, <laughs> who is a big Jam Packer guy. He's a big Jam Packer guy. He always has my back. And you know what? In the drunk drawer, we appreciate criticism at all times. You know, we're not going to grow or have a growth mindset. And so um, I'm going to first ask you for this junk drawer, who is number 30 on the Celtics that everyone says you look like? I believe that was Marty Conlon. You don't look anything like him. Yeah, that was, that was a tough day for me. His look. As Coley pointed out, look at the laces. Please zoom in on his shoelaces. We are in the podcast. His shoelaces are literally folded underneath his shoe, t- scraping the ground as he shoots a free throw. Those are laces of a man that did not anticipate playing. That. <laughs> he thought he was going to come to the game, sit at the end of the bench. He's got the elbow flailed. Just a tough, tough look for my man Marty Conlon and a tough, tough look that that people thought. I looked like him. It was uh, Celtics Life put that up on Twitter saying, who is this? Wrong answers only, please. And I got I got a few of at by J. Kings, and that was too many. Way too many. I, it looks nothing like you. I don't get it, but I'm all for someone coming at your throat. Um, Isn't the goofy white dude, I think, is... Uh, yeah, dark hair, goofy white dude. Yeah. One, someone who looks like they can't really hoop that well. And then finally, for the junk drawer, I just wanted... This is uh, Celtics Twitter... Furious tonight. Oh, my God. They were so upset with the loss, as they should be. It was a bad loss. But we got Celtics Twitter in a nutshell. Our main man, Andrew Doxy, who just got uh, engaged, actually, and had Marcus Smart tweeting at him, telling him that because he didn't dive on the floor to uh, for the proposal, that he's not a doer. He's just a thinker. And that's just fantastic. But here it is. The two tweets. Cousin Steve's Andrew Doxy. If I were Brad Stevens, I would simply have a better rotation. The Riffs man. If I were the coach of the Celtics, I'd simply wear a rattlesnake suit and shades, threaten refs with violence, play Grant, and instruct Daniel Tice to take off his clothes and debate Scott Foster. And you know what? I think that's that's the best thing we're going to do. I mean, that's Celtics Twitter in, uh, in a nutshell. That's, that is Celtics Twitter in a nutshell. I have nothing. You have no thoughts that. on naked Daniel Tice debating Scott Foster? Oh, I have one other note just to mess with you because you did shit on my junk drawer last time. What's your favorite Holland Oates song? Who the fuck are Holland Oates? <laughs> you are so culturally ignorant. It's absurd. You don't know Holland Oates. You make my dreams come true. Jimmy Butler ad. He was, it was I think it was for Michelob. He was packing. It's like Holland Oates, one of the greatest blue-eyed uh, soul bands from the 1980s. Nothing. First of all, if, if the description is a blue-eyed soul band from the <laughs> 1980s, there is no chance I have ever listened to that band. <laughs> I think you should check it out. Tomorrow, I want you to go to Best of Holland Oats on your Spotify, where you can find anything is potable. So if you listen on Spotify, please uh, go there. Uh, but go to Best of Holland Oats. I think you'll have a good toe tap in time. Probably not. <laughs> not going to do it. Don't enjoy great music. I enjoy better, better music than fucking Holland Oats. That Ooh, is right. slander, and we're going to have to wrap it up there. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you guys just joined us on a live stream, uh, please tell your friends, subscribe, do everything that podcast hosts tell you to do. We've kept Jay King way too long. He has to go write an article for The Athletic. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. 
And thank you for listening to this episode. I just said anything is potable, so it's tough for me to say anything is potable again, but I'm going to end the episode by yelling, anything is potable!